activated virus defense Hello, this is Martin McKay. And this is Chris John Riley. And we would like to welcome you to the official podcast for the 30th Annual FIRST Conference being held in Kuala Lumpur, June 24th through 29th, 2018. For more information, go to www.first.org. And now we join our interview in progress. This time on the show, we're lucky enough to be talking to Jerry Bryant, Principal Security Program Manager for the Microsoft Security Response Center. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you. So it, it's it's a pleasure to be talking to you. I know that uh, you've recently released a blog post on the, the first blog, and I was really interested to hear that it's been 15 years of interaction between Microsoft and FIRST. Maybe you can give us a, a quick introduction about how you initially got involved with FIRST and how that journey has, has been over the years. Yeah, I think it was, um, you know, it was definitely before my time with the MSRC, although I was doing incident response activities uh, in other areas, but um, back in around 2003, you know, when we were seeing a lot of internet worms and there was a lot of heavy impact on our Windows XP users, uh, that was when an individual named Robert Hensing uh, decided to uh, join up with FIRST and start providing, you know, vulnerability and incident response information to the first community as a way for them to you know take some action away from uh, the information he was providing to you know go help protect customers now it's been a, a long journey since then so since 2003 there's been a number of kind of incidents that um, all over the internet large-scale things such as uh, code red nimda sql slammer i know you mentioned those in, in your blog post how has how has being involved with first allowed you to interact and and kind of resolve uh, these more large-scale uh, issues uh, i think there's a couple of things one is that you know for us first you know is a, a vehicle for which we make connections with incident responders around the globe right so that's been like one of the, probably the hugest uh, benefit to Microsoft is the second value to us uh, in participating in an organization like First is uh, the special interest groups. You know the the efforts behind uh, a community coming together to drive some sort of standard or um, you know specification or build a new framework for something. These are the kinds of things that we like to get involved in because they not only affect us, but they affect how we can work with other incident responders more efficiently when we have, you know, some big issue. Um, a good example of that is the the PCERT framework that we've been heavily involved with uh, for the last couple of years. So you've also, um, through these contacts at first, been been looking at doing things like training. And I know this year you're going to be running uh, a training event at first for people who are attending. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that that training event, um, what you're going to be covering, and, and why you think it's important for the first community. Yeah. So last year at the conference, I was uh, talking with Martin Van Hornbeck about our desire to, you know, give more back to the first community. And uh, one of the things that he mentioned to me was, you know, a big need was was education. Um, and so through that, we had discussions on what 
what types of things would be useful for the community uh, that we may have some expertise in. So uh, one of those topic areas is uh, forensics training. So we have um, some of the world's, you know, best expertise uh, in this area. So we're actually bringing two people to the conference to deliver uh, a day of forensic training. Um, the other area was in malware reverse engineering. So obviously we have our Windows Defender team uh, and a lot of expertise in that area. So we are also uh, bringing one of those experts to Kuala Lumpur to deliver a day of, of uh, training on that as well. That sounds really good for, for maybe some of the new new uh, first members who are coming on board. And I know that's that's one of the areas as well that you, you're looking at is, is growing the, the PSERC community within FIRST with new teams coming on board all the time. Um, what are the, some of the, the points you think are important about these these new PSERC teams that are coming on board? Yeah, it's it's interesting to see the, the growth, um, you know, across the industry with established PSERCs. I've seen uh, people you know, hired off by by companies starting up new P-certs uh, quite a bit in the last year, and and um, we've been working on this framework so that a new P-cert has this model to you know go off of um, to you know establish their their P-cert. But the work that is continuing uh, along those lines is you know building out maturity models so so people can recognize the the stage they're in and what is the next stage and how do they get there. Um, but to kind of help kick that off, uh, you know, we got together at the uh, the PSIRT TC in Atlanta uh, this year. Um, there's kind of a core working group of PSIRT uh, organizations that are, have been driving this to basically do some video-based training uh, based on the framework, which is something that we decided to fund uh, from Microsoft to give back to the to the PSIRT community. Um, because yeah, the the real core of the the issue that we see going forward is we're going to be looking at more multi-vendor disclosure uh, type issues, and we've seen these kind of things growing over the last year to two years. So it's in everybody's best interest to help educate and train new PSER teams that may have to be involved in these uh, multi-vendor disclosure issues by you know providing these frameworks training and other tools to help them understand how to uh, best plan and resource their teams i can imagine that uh, you know these these multi-vendor vulnerability coordinations that, that you mentioned that are, are growing and becoming more more complex and more prevalent in the industry they're, they're putting quite a lot of strain on PSERT teams um, I know you mentioned the maturity model. How do these things fit together? You know, do you have to be of a certain maturity before you're going to be able, a team is going to be able to cope with these, or do you think even some of the younger teams can be uh, can be involved in the the multi-vendor uh, coordination? Yeah, I think it you know it it comes down to planning, right? So um, I don't think there's a lot of of guidelines and tools available for some of these newer teams to understand how to do you know capacity planning um, in that aspect so they may be established to handle you know an you know ongoing uh, influx of vulnerability cases um, but then when some of these bigger multi-vendor issues come along that may you know 
uh, stress their their processes quite a bit. Um, so I think helping helping these teams understand, um, you know, when a bigger issue happens, you know, what does that mean? How do they need to be able to uh, flex their their team um, while still getting the daily work done? Those are the kinds of things that we're looking at to try to help people understand, you know, what what level they need to be at. But this doesn't mean they can't participate. It just means that uh, they are probably going to be very uh, stretched uh, when these bigger issues come up. So how do you see a connection between PSERT teams and, um, say, for example, bug bounty programs where PSERT teams may be outsourcing sections of their bug reporting or processing or even um, remediation efforts to external companies? Is, is, is that part of the overall plan for larger PSERTs or is that more of a, a case where PSERTs may not have enough staffing so they're looking at outsourcing some of these tasks? Um, I, I think it's a, you know, it's obviously... A conversation that each piece or team needs to have. You know, they need to consider if a bounty is is uh, something they want to engage in. I mean, it is. It's not uh, you know an easy task, right? Like, there's a lot that goes to running your own bounty program as far as you know processing payments. You know, I don't know how everybody else's finance systems work, but um, from from our perspective, it's it's not an easy thing, right? So. Um, you know, outsourcing bounty programs might be a good answer, uh, but I think the bigger question is, you know, whether or not um, bounty programs are right for your organization. Um, I think a lot of companies have answered yes to that question, uh, but then, you know, it's a matter of how it integrates because it's obviously not the most important part of what a PCER does. Yeah, I can I can see a lot of PCERs kind of falling into that trap and not really being ready. Um, for that kind of thing. So it's definitely good to, to see that there's a maturity model that's teaching PCERTs kind of where they need to progress and kind of guide them through that process. Yeah, I mean, the, the PCERT framework is designed to help, you know, PCERTs understand, you know, what kind of PCERT they are, um, who all of their stakeholders are, um, how, how they should engage with those stakeholders. Um, you know, what I, what I start to look at is, you know, so you've established your your PCER team, now you have to establish, you know, solid processes because if you're, you know, new and you're small and you need to react quickly to something, you can sometimes get bogged down in, say, you know, messaging approval processes, right? So I know some organizations, um, they're not as well established yet, so some of their messaging needs to get approved by, you know, top levels in the company, right? Maybe a CEO even, um, which, you know, is okay that somebody at that level has visibility into a serious issue. Um, but if you have a, a standardized messaging template that gets pre-approved, you know, things like that to help the process be more efficient, um, that's even better when you're in these multi-vendor disclosure situations where, you know, being as efficient as possible is critical uh, sometimes to the, the timing of these issues being released. Now, changing track just a little bit, I wanted to talk a little bit about how MSRC uh, does threat information sharing at the moment. I understand you have a number of programs that uh, are interesting for members of the first community as well as others. Maybe you can give us a, a quick 
30-second minute overview on, on the programs that you currently offer that may be interesting for those people? Yeah, we focus uh, on two segments of the industry. One is the uh, security vendors who build uh, protection products. So, you know, AV, signature-based uh, product like that, IDS, IPS, that kind of thing. Uh, we're looking more at uh, next-generation AV and behavioral uh analysis, that kind of stuff on how we can provide guidance basically for these organizations to be able to detect uh, vulnerability exploits, uh, mainly you know Microsoft product vulnerabilities, uh, to protect customers. So the goal of this program is to give them information uh, before we release a patch so that they can also build protection into their product uh, at the same time that we release the, the patch publicly. Um, so we also engage with government organizations around the world through our government security program. Um, and so with all of these organizations, we also extend the information sharing beyond just vulnerability information. We also share uh, other interesting data sets like malicious URLs uh, that are uh, generated from our Bing anti-malware team. Um, we share uh, botnet data to, uh, to governments that uh, are generated from our digital crimes unit. Um, and we also share uh, things like uh, clean file metadata, which is uh, file hash data for all Microsoft signed binaries. Uh, so, you know, obviously people can use this for forensics or uh, whitelisting, things of that nature. So the overall goal is to um, engage uh, in, a, in an automated fashion, uh, which we do through a platform called Interflow. Um, and hopefully, you know, get these organizations to also share interesting data back with us that would help us further protect customers. Great. Well, it sounds like there's a number of interesting ways that uh, teams at first can interact with, with Microsoft and, and try and share information backwards and forwards there. Um, for, for people who are attending the conference who are interested in, in taking part in the training, um, how would they, how would they uh, register for the training? I understand it's going on on the Sunday prior to the, to the conference. Yeah, so they would just go up to uh, first.org and go to the uh, conference page. Um, I believe it's under additional training. Um, they will see the trainings listed there and I believe they can register right there on the website. Well, I hope that the attendees take that opportunity to, to sit down and, and talk to experts in the field and really kind of learn something about how Microsoft are doing this and continue on that conversation. Um, and I look forward to uh, sitting down and chatting with you at the conference. Yeah, sounds good. And there will be several of us from the MSRC at the conference this year. So we are looking forward to engaging with uh, any teams that uh, want to reach out to us. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to have a chat with us, Jerry. I really appreciate it, and we'll see you on the ground in Kuala Lumpur. All right. Thanks, Chris. You've been listening to the official podcast of the 30th Annual First Conference in Kuala Lumpur held June 24th to the 29th, 2018. For more information, please check www.first.org. Thank you and have a good day. It's okay. Fine by me.